Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 17 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. My guest today is author Jessica Hawkins. Welcome, Jessica, to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, you have been on my list for a while and, you know, (laughs) calendars and conflicts and, you know, you writing books, Uh, (laughs) being in the writing cave. (laughs) Yeah, I tend to go very deep into the writing cave and people cannot reach me sometimes. So (laughs) I apologize if I was a little bit hard to get in touch with. Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. On the opposite. (laughs) No, on the opposite. I love that you are writing in your writing cave. That's what we want you to be doing. Um, This is just an extra perk for us listeners. and so this is great. And I'm just, we, we had scheduled a while back, but it's just one of those where I'm looking at the calendar. I'm like, when do I get to talk to Jessica? When yeah. To Jessica? <laughs> well, I love that you do this. I mean, I think that this is a really great way to connect with readers, especially listeners mm-hmm. um, and kind of give a different perspective on things. Um, so I appreciate that you are able to have me on today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I, I love getting to know you guys on, on a different level and, and also learning how some of your processes are and things like that. Mm-hmm. So this is always, always a fun conversation. And, but why don't we start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started. Sure. Um, I have been, let's see, I've been self-publishing for, I think I'm coming up on eight years now. I started at the very end of 2012. Um, and yeah, just kind of like, took off, hit the ground running. Um, I was not much of a writer before that. I did a lot of daydreaming. I didn't have really a great creative outlet. So uh, I did a lot of fantasizing and daydreaming and watching movies and consuming books. I loved R.L. Stein when I was a kid, um, Babysitter's Club. So I read a lot, uh, but I didn't do a lot of writing. And then, you know, went to college, did the whole thing, got a job, was working in New York City when I, somebody uh, in the store that I was working in, somebody left a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey. They had just bought it and they left it in a shopping bag or something like that. And so after a few days, we started to pick it up, my, my <laughs> co-workers and I. And I was like, let me take this home and read it. I should, let me back up. Cause I, at that point I had read and loved Twilight. And then that had actually inspired me to write a few scenes uh, on my personal laptop. I was just kind of like on my day off, you know, kind of doing that a little bit and then shut that down and never came back to it or didn't go back to it at the time. And so when 50 Shades came out, I read the whole series you know, like everybody else, I just consumed it super fast. Uh, at, at that time, the whole, I think it was all out or was, it was coming out maybe, uh, the final book. And so, uh, you know, got that paperback copy, read it, my coworkers read, read it, loved it. And so I was like, you know, I feel like this could be my calling and I could do this. And let me open up those like scenes that I wrote in the past And it was just all kind of, you know, history from there. I uh, ended up writing half of my first book while working at that store and, you know, on my days off. And 
Then I quit my job and moved in with family and wrote the rest of the book, published it and kept going. I guess I hadn't, there was no indication that I was going to be any good at this or successful at it, but I guess I believed in myself enough to, you know, take the plunge. And I'm so glad that I did. And I'm so grateful that I had um, the support of my family who, you know, could take me in and let me kind of explore this creative side that I was pretty sure that I had, but I never really knew um, how to tap into it. So yeah, it was a little bit of, you know, kismet, a little bit of luck and uh, a lot of um, risk and sacrifice uh, and big payoffs. So yeah, that's kind of it, I guess, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's so like scary to jump off that comfort cliff. Yeah. To, you know, a lot of people are very gifted and a lot of people have these great ideas, whether it's for a story or an invention or things like that, or just, wanting to be happier at a different location from a job perspective or travel. And it's just so scary to do something new. And because there's all these potential consequences, yeah, you know, unemployment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is terrifying. I feel very fortunate that I was able to do it. Um, but I know that it took a lot of um, guts on my part. I don't want to discount the fact that I really like did take this huge risk. And- yeah. You know, I was in my 20s, my like mid 20s. So I was able to do that. And I I encourage people, you know, who might be listening to kind of explore if you're in your early 20s, mid 20s, even late 20s, I was probably like mid to late 20s. And you have the the opportunity, um, or you can make the opportunity I do, I do try to encourage people to follow that when you're that age, because it gets, it gets a lot harder. I know everybody says that, but it's true. It gets a lot harder, the older that you get and the more stuck in your ways that you get and the more, you know, financially strapped that you are. So, um, at that age and that time, um, I was, I was a little bit bolder, (laughs) you know, I had, um, made some big, uh, decisions about, you know, living situations, stuff like that, that were risky too. I just really liked it at that age. And I'm a little less so now, and I'm trying to kind of access that part of myself again. So it's good to talk about it because it's good for me to remember, um, that I was, you know, I took a few more risks when I was younger and I, I would like to get back to that a little bit. So. <laughs> no, it's a similar, um, a very similar boat. I think that as we get older, we have more adulting to do. Yeah. <laughs> I know my gosh Uh, I mean and don't get me wrong I mean family and 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 puppies and house and cars are great um but you know you have all you have additional risk factors when when you're younger and you know in your 20s if you decide to quit your job and you're able to move back home and you have that family support that's fantastic but when you're older I don't you know unless you have a a family that has a really big house that can take in four dogs two cats (laughs) right (laughs) I know. Well, all the books that we have. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Don't even, yeah. Don't even worry about the books. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. But when I I talk about sacrifice that comes into the, the equation because I love dogs and I don't have a dog um, myself. And it's partly because I like to be mobile. I like to be able to travel. Um, If I do, if suddenly everything goes to pot and I do have to move back in with family, you know, I have the ability to do so. Um, So, but it's, you know, sad also because I, I'm, 
obsessed with German shepherds. I, I desperately want one. And I think about it all the time. So I'll probably get some, I want at some point, but, but the, to the other point about living with family, that's kind of another thing that I, I would like to call out because, you know, there's such a stigma around it. And, um, I, it, it, it's the only reason that I get to do what I love today is because I went home to live with family and they took me in and I was able to focus on my career and, you know, build a business. And I, I do recognize that I'm very fortunate. A lot of people can't do that, but a lot of people won't do it because they think, oh, it's going to make me look pathetic or it's going to, you know, nobody will want to date me or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, or like, like you're going backwards versus going Yeah. Forward. Or you're going backwards. Yeah. And there is a sense of that, of course, while it's happening, but, um, if you are able to, if you have ambition and you are ready to start a business and you need to save money and you are able to do it, then I absolutely encourage people to do it because like, I'll just reiterate, it is the reason that I'm able to do what I am today, um, is by making that sacrifice because nobody wants to go home and live with their family, <laughs> but I, but yeah, right. Or any, or roommates or anything like that. Um, that's, I guess roommates probably are the same situation. I was able to save a lot of money living with roommates in my twenties. And I encourage people to do that as long as possible because, um, yeah, because I'm a big proponent of, you know, put, putting money in the bank and, you know, building your business, uh, the most frugal way possible. And that's why I'm able to do what I'm doing. Um, yeah. so I, you know, I, I like to help kind of peel away that stigma a little bit in, in ways that I can, or when I can. Yeah. And I love that you said that you're trying to get back to that kind of spirit of, adventure and taking those risks because as we get older we tend to really think about the safety net and sometimes we sacrifice our happiness because of it yes yeah absolutely and I think that that's really sad and I hate that and I do see myself doing that sometimes and I think probably the last year and a half has a lot to do with that Um, you know during the pandemic a lot of us were forced to stay in and get comfortable and it's been a little bit hard coming out of that and, you know, getting back to the idea of traveling, you know, somewhere by myself, somewhere, some kind of, kind of scary and like, you know, going outside the comfort zone again, it's harder to do that once you've been in that comfort zone for a while. And I was already sort of in it before. So the pandemic just sort of entombed me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. From a, I think, it. <laughs> Yeah. I think that a lot of the people that are introverts were like, this is not so bad. <laughs> oh yeah. And I definitely have introvert tendencies. Qualities. I'm sort of on, I'm, I'm sort of saddling both extrovert and introvert. So I, I loved it, but that's part of, you know, as if you, you know, if you're an introvert or if you know introverts, you know, that that's part of it. It's like, this is fun and great. And I love it. And I can stay here forever, but maybe that's not always, you know, the healthiest or the best thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm like you, I, my, I, I straddle both. And so it's, it's yeah. one of those where I then craved some of that energy. And so that's when I would yeah. go out and people. Yeah. <laughs> Grocery yeah. Store. Oh yeah. I can people, but I need to come home to yes. our quiet room at the end of it. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. But I do encourage people now that, you know, if they think, oh, it's not, it's impossible or oh, I can't quit my job, but you don't have to go off and do everything right now. Just start small. Oh, yeah. Get, buy that notebook, open that notebook, start yeah. writing. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. Because 
I think I'm kind of an all or nothing person and I have uh-huh. to talk to myself a lot and say, you can take this small step and build on it tomorrow. It doesn't have to be everything today. So I think that is a good way to encourage people and a good reminder. Yeah. And if you fall, get up, you know, and yeah. do it again. And yeah. my, my favorite one too, is if it's going to be a you know failure, let it be epic. Yeah. And move on. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, oh, the things that you will learn from an epic failure. I know it's so cliche to say, but it's so true. So many of us would not be who we are today if we hadn't had those failures and learned from them. Hopefully learn from them. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> yep. And sometimes you put your characters through some of these epic failures. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. How would I how would I know how to torture them if I hadn't been through a little bit of it on my own? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I do love to torture them. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. <laughs> So most of your, uh, um, you primarily write in the contemporary romance genre. What is it about that genre that drew you to it versus all the other subgenres within romance that are out there? Well, I guess I would say I really love the, I don't know if this is a word, like the mundanities of day-to-day life. Um, You know, I really, I do love some drama. There's got to be some drama and, you know, what would the books do without it? But I just love like, you know, a couple, a lot of my early books are about marriage and I just find it so fascinating that the day-to-day activities of living with this other person and learning how to like love and fall in love and fall out of love and like all these things that come with such a close relationship. Um, I just really like um, realistic stories um, that, you know, have a bit of flair and drama to them. So I think that's probably why I was drawn to contemporary romance, um, because it is very much about relationships and um, the relationship with yourself as well. The heroine's relationship with herself and how she grows throughout it. Um, that's kind of more women's fiction. So I do have, I think I do tend a little bit towards women's fiction, but I don't want to leave out the really fun, sexy parts either. I never will. So that's sort of where the romance comes in. I really love her relationship with herself and how she relates to the hero or heroes, depending. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think that would be probably, um, why romance and why contemporary, you know, everyday kind of romance. Yeah. It's um, I love how you say about the day-to-day falling in and out of love of that person and trying not to strangle them when they put their keys in the formal dining room table, <laughs> instead of the foyer where you've given them an entire furniture piece. Oh, you know, can put all their shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing this down for, for future use. Yeah. That's, Please do that. I love those uh, things. <laughs> yes. Or, the point where Alex, I'll, I'll share this tidbit with you and if you feel free to use it if you ever do um my husband and i have been married for a long time now um and i've been with him my entire adult life since yeah. i was 19. oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. and we've been now married for about 20 years wow and there's moments there was one time where i just said motherfucker <laughs> and i started going quack 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 yeah <laughs> like a duck like quack 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 and oh yeah like, what, what, what are you doing and I'm like quack 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 
And he goes, Viv, are you okay? And I go, yeah. He goes, why are you quacking? I go, because you're like a duck. You leave your shit everywhere. Uh, (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. And so now, fast forward, when he starts leaving his shit everywhere, I just go quack, 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 quack. quack, He knows to start picking up. (laughs) And you can have a little laugh about it, too, so that it's not like it doesn't become World War Three in the house. Absolutely. (laughs) And knowing knowing that uh, orange is not the new black and that orange is not my color. (laughs) Exactly. Quack, quack, quack is easier than being set off. (laughs) Well, you you have to pick your battles, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Since we don't live in a book where I can just walk out (laughs) and find another man. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's what I love. I really love those little quibbles. Um, Actually, um, I'll never forget this email that I got from Andy Art. I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, but um, she said something like you, you write the fight scenes between a husband and wife so well and so believably, um, you know, like basically commending me for it. And like, how do you do it? And I was like, I don't know. I just love them. One of my favorite scenes (laughs) of all my books is this like totally random um, argument between the, between husband and wife. And I don't know what it is, but I always kind of go back to it. So I really enjoy that dynamic. I suppose. And yeah. Well, there's a little bit of a safety net when you're in a relationship as a marriage, you know, when, yeah. when it's when it's overall a good relationship where you can have those moments of like, I'm going to kill you. Um, but also know that you can, it's okay to, you know, work it out because they're worth it. Yeah. The relationship is worth it. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. In this case that I'm referring to, it wasn't, but <laughs> Well, yeah, that was, I mean, sometimes that was it's- an affair book, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. And I, yeah. I, this is not, not that serious, but there's another book that I um, wrote sort of thinking in my head, like, well, how come all the books end with the wedding? You know, like yeah. nobody talks about seven years down the line, what it's like to live with this crazy alpha male who, you know, was really sexy when he was wooing you. But now what, how does that fit into the dynamic of day-to-day life how do you grapple with you know a man who is really headstrong and knows what he wants and knows how to get it and now you are that person too because you this heroine has grown and so you know what happens when you marry an alpha male and you have your happily ever after well what happens next <laughs> that was kind of one of the questions that prompted me <laughs> yeah but it's also it's also good to to say that you know when it's worth it's good but also finding out or seeing that it's no longer worth it and that it's okay to get out of a relationship when no one's happy or when you yourself are not happy because you can't make everybody else happy all the time yeah oh yeah and it totally circles back to what I was saying earlier about taking risks and being bold um it makes me very sad to see anybody or myself um in a situation that they're not happy in because they're too afraid to make a change or they feel like they have to settle. And so I guess it, you know, I wasn't meaning to make that connection, but I think just what we're talking about kind of comes full circle where, um, I do write a lot about, um, you know, women who may have settled or are about to settle and like, um, kind of getting, breaking them out of that. I think that's a large theme throughout my books is, you know, taking big, 
chances for love and um, you know, it's romance. So they pay off, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I really like exploring that kind of, yeah. What makes people happy and why do people stay in situations where they aren't happy? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the reasons why I love romance is that it allows the readers and listeners to potentially learn stuff outside of, you know, day-to-day stuff kind of thing, but realizing, learning something about themselves, realizing that they made like a kink um, or several. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or open the door to. (laughs) Yes. Or that they want to go back to school or they read the the book about the baker and they realize, Hey, I I do that already. Why can't I open up my baker? You know? Yeah. It's, it's a really this world that we are in where there's so many possibilities that start off as fiction, but can end up being some form of reality is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you actually hit the nail on the head for me personally, you know, I write a lot of just in case, you know, listeners who are new to me are listening. I write a lot of, um, affair romance or, um, cheating or love triangles. And I always, you know, especially early in my career, people would ask me, why, why would you write that? <laughs> it's like the number one, no, no in romance. Why, why do that? And I think a large part of it was that I just love to give people a different perspective on things. You know, you think, you know, but you have no idea. You don't know how people fall into these situations. You don't know what motivates a villain, you know, like every villain has an origin story. They don't just come out terrible people. Uh, You know, people don't just cheat for the hell of it. Um, There's always something else going on in the background. And so I do really love shining light on our perspective that a lot of people um, didn't consider or, you know, couldn't even fathom, um, you know, that kind of thing. So I think you're exactly right. That is why that is one of the things that I love about romance as well. (laughs) But I love that you do, though, is that even though because it is a big like no, no, that a lot of times we will have Mm -hmm. listeners and readers ask, is there cheating involved? Right. (laughs) And then then you have to kind of step back and go, hi, explain this. (laughs) (laughs) Without spoiling everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I think it's true about, you know, having those conversations and and learning who you are as an individual Mm -hmm. and knowing that even if you are in a relationship with someone that you're both still growing. Yeah. And the years progress, there's cool. still growth happening yeah. and it's how to keep it together. And knowing that if it's, if there is something that's no longer working is how to have the lines of communication, but also yeah. what happens when you try to have those lines of communication and yeah. nothing goes in one ear out the other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. I've had books where it's both ways, you know, where, um, they grew apart and someone came between them or they um, grew apart, someone came between them and, you know, the opposite happened where they reconciled. And so I have actually, you know, had readers come up to me at conventions and signings and stuff and say, you know, A, you helped my marriage because um, I read this book and it made me realize some things and I talked to my husband about it or B I had my husband read the book and then we had a discussion about it. We read it together. Um, and so that is always, you know, a scary feeling for me, but a good one, you know, because opening those lines of communication in any way, I don't think it can be bad, even if the result is not what you want, but opening up those lines of communication, um, by reading, 
this fantasy situation. I mean, I think that that's, that's really positive or interesting Mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully it works out for everybody in the end. I don't want to be responsible for it. (laughs) Well, Jessica said in this book that this was how, (laughs) yeah, there are, I've had a couple confessions that, um, I don't know how I feel about, but you know, that's okay. (laughs) That's, you know, people are learning and exploring and (laughs) so (laughs) exactly. And I'm all big about self, you know, self-discovery and adventure, um, consent, consent 100% across the board on everything and anything and, and actualization, you know, and whatever that looks like for the individual. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Mm -hmm. Now that you've been writing all these years in this genre, is there a subgenre in romance that you're going, hmm, perhaps I should dive into this or that you're curious about writing in or nah? <laughs> mm, I, you know, I do sort of have my whims. Um, I, there's so much I still want to write within this genre and to get more specific in the subgenre of angst and love triangles and that kind of thing. I'm, and age gaps. I like the age gap, um, dynamic a lot as well. So there's, I still have a lot of ideas, but once in a while I'll get a fancy where I'm like, Ooh, wouldn't it be fun to write a horror story? You know, I was in, um, the South recently last year, um, doing a road trip and I was like, Ooh, there's so many like, you know, creepy vibes here. (laughs) And, this is right for a story. And I think I had a dream around that time that was like, had a ghost in it and there was a romance. And so I was like, I would love to write some kind of like ghost paranormal horror romance. Um, but you know, I'm such a slow writer in, in real, in relation to my peers that once I finish a book, I'm like, there's no downtime to really like play around and do, you know, something silly. I generally like at that point I need to take a break and then I like, I'm ready to start the next one. So um, maybe like a short story or novella could be kind of fun. I did a a rom-com style and I'm not going to say that it was like super funny or anything, but it was like a kind of like more lighthearted rom-com a few years ago. That was outside my typical um, genre. I just needed that mental break and I needed the break from the angst. And so I really enjoyed writing that one. And I'm really glad that I have that in my backlist. So yeah, once in a while I'll explore outside, but um, I know that I, I'm fairly certain I will always come back to some sort of, you know, um, angsty, uh, deep, emotional kind of storyline that will probably run throughout my career. Thank you. That's cool though. Um, Cause we all love the, those. And that's one of the things too, aside from um, probably a hundred other reasons why I love romance is that there's always something for everybody. Yeah. Oh, there's something for everybody. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. great. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're like the second person I talked to in these years that have said something about writing horror. <laughs> I'm like, contemporary romance. I think I'll do a right. horror. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love, well, I love personally, I love to be scared. I love um, scary movies and, you know, scary paranormal stuff. So, um, but I don't know that I could write it effectively. I would have to keep some kind of romance elements to it. But yeah, I think it's just a personal, I, you know, I love to be scared well <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> yeah well i think there's also there's different types of scares like i've i've noticed there's 
different types when it comes down to movies there's like that scary of like popping out of the shadows and scaring you and yeah. then the, the like the and then there's the thrillers where you're trying to solve yeah. a mystery but then yeah. there's the yeah. gore and I'm going now nah, I'd rather do the mystery and maybe the pop out of here and there yeah I like I think I like the psychological or the pop out scary not not the gore the gore is definitely not for me but um I like spooky I like movies the, the more realistic that they are, the scarier that they, they are to me. So um, even if you do have a paranormal aspect, if it's believable and it's like, oh, this could happen, I enjoy that. <laughs> Actually, just um, as a side note, I just was at the airport uh, last week and um, flying back to New York City and picked up a psychological thriller. I don't read very many of them, actually. I, I usually will watch a movie or something like that, but I picked up a psychological thriller about a flight that is more or less hijacked um, going from California to New York. And that's exactly what I was doing. And I read the first half of it on the flight. Like that's how, Woman. That, an example <laughs> of how I like to be a little bit jarred and scared. Like, and I, and, you know, look up from the book and look around and think, could this happen on this flight or, you know, um, what are those, you know, what's that stewardess talking about? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely add a bit more spice to that one because there's not enough things that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> of course, if there was any kind of turbulence, I would be like, Oh shit, what have I done? You know, <laughs> please reverse it. But yeah. I, yeah. I a little bit spooked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when I started, um, when I returned to reading, because I used to be an avid reader as a kid and a teenager, and then uh-huh. adulting happened. Oh, yeah. Adulting. I hear that a lot. It's, it's, yeah. it's actually a great story. I love, you know, people who love to read as kids. Yeah. And lost that love for it and refound it through romance, I'm assuming. But. I did. I did. It was paranormal romance, funny enough. Um, <laughs> but I did fall back into that because I've always loved the whole like vampires and shifters and, and yeah. things like that and kind of went back into that genre and found some and then have been jumping around into like contemporary and rom-coms and things like that but like paranormal tends to be my my first true love <laughs> oh no oh interesting i guess yeah i guess twilight is paranormal i never think of it that way but it is <laughs> yeah well funny it's uh, uh twilight see there's a, there's a lot of things i don't agree with that, that had twilight um and that could be totally a different conversation with drinks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it does hold up a place in my heart to some extent because my sister, my twin sister and I were not in a good place Uh and we were trying to, I was trying to reconnect with her as far as like how to, where do I find a common fucking place with her? I'm not going to argue about something. And she started reading Twilight and said, I'll get the audiobook for it. And, um, and then we were reading comparing notes and that's kind of how things got better and and are good. Great now. But it's just one of those things where that's kind of like from an emotional perspective, Right. And sometimes we do that with, you know, aromas and foods and things like that. I think books can also be something like that. That's a comfort. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a really great story. I love to hear about people reconnecting or disconnecting in the first place. And there's been so many connections made throughout the romance community just based on a love for books or a certain book like that. Mm-hmm. It's a great yeah. yeah, and even with the, like your reader groups and stuff like that, when we're we get all excited because you've shared that there's a book coming out or, yeah. or that you're working on something, and or someone yeah. for the first time picks up your book, and we're going, oh, until you start, <laughs> you know? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen some really incredible friendships form um, through uh, through my books with some of my readers. Um, 
you know, there's a really great group of girls who bonded while reading my something in the way series. Um, and they have stayed close ever since. And I just love that's like one of the highlights of what I do is, um, seeing how close, um, people become bonding over this book that I put out into the world. I think that that is just really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned about how Andy men said uh, the arguing scenes were really well written from a, you know, from a couple's perspective, mm-hmm. when it comes down to you sitting down and writing, um, what type of scene do you love to write? Um, you know, it probably depends on my mood for the day. Um, I do, I do like writing those scenes. Um, probably like any kind of angsty scene is my favorite, but I do have to be in the right headspace for that. Um, and I would consider those, those fight and epicky scenes mm-hmm. in that vein. Um, you know, I know a lot of authors complain on social media about writing sex scenes or, um, writing like insert sex scene here and come back to it later. And I, I understand why that is because it can be a little bit repetitive. You have to really think outside, um, your box, you know, and come up, you know, there's only so many terms that you can use in a sex scene. And yeah. that's really restrictive and it can make it feel mundane and repetitive. Um, but I actually do not feel like that. I actually really love writing sex scenes because for me, it's about, it's about everything leading up to that sex scene. It's about the, you know, conversation, the looks and glances, the touches, the like humor. Um, I do try to like I don't even, I'm not going to say that I try to incorporate humor, but sometimes it just comes up, you know, depending on the scene. Um, if it's an enemies to lovers, there might be some sparring happening, right. Leading up to that scene. Um, enduring. <laughs> and so I do a lot of enemies to lovers. Um, so I really do actually love writing sex scenes because of every, all the layers that there are to them, everything that's happening underneath them and all the buildup, all the sexual tension. I love sexual tension. I live for it. And so, um, that's really conducive to my books and my sex scenes. So it was a little bit harder for me with the rom-com type of book, which is why, you know, as a one-off it's okay, but I'm not going to be going, you know, at a full-time rom-com anytime soon, because, um, it was a little bit harder for me to get to the heart of those sex scenes. Um, Whereas I find it a lot um, easier or, or at least more engaging and fascinating to do when I'm dealing with, you know, a sex scene that shouldn't be happening or that like they're trying to resist or giving into or that they've only, this is only like the third time that they've done it and it's like still new. And yeah, I really enjoy actually writing those scenes. And I would say that um, they're at the top of the list for me, um, along with those, any kind of like angsty scene or, um, the first meeting, I, the writing, the intro, the like opening scenes of a book are really hard for me. I I do them over a lot, but that in that scene where they meet for the first time or re-meet for the first time, that's another great one to write. What I'm not so great at is like the ending and wrapping it all up because (laughs) 
that because that that's where things get nice and pretty and <laughs> that's hard for me. <laughs> so you're never really going to find a book where everything is really hunky dory at the end. I'm going to wrap it up as best as I can and put some kind of bow, but it might be a black bow or it might be a tattered bow. You know, it's not going to be like a, it's pristine, still a bow, right? It's, it's still a bow. You're still going to get a, a, an ending um, that you're hopefully pleased with um, and maybe left wanting more. I, I, you know, there, I know that there are books for, I get a lot of requests for more. I'd rather have that, I think, than the opposite. I don't, I don't particularly myself as a reader love um, to have everything perfectly perfect at the end. So I'm okay with having a little bit of ambiguity or um, happy, I guess, happy, happy, happily ever after, not, not happy for now, but um, with some scars that are still healing over, I guess. Um, Well, things don't magically go away right. because you had your HEA at the end. Right. That only happens in the fairy tales, you know, so yeah. everybody's healed <laughs> and life is perfect and yeah. there's nothing wrong in the world. You know, those aren't the kinds of stories that I write, nor do I like to read. And so um, there's always going to be a little bit. Yeah. Of that oh. left end. And well, <laughs> that works. Totally works. Yeah. So good. I hope that um, long-winded answer. No, it's great too because I was going to ask you about what the more difficult ones to write. So you completely did good there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love how it kind of flows. I'm like, oh, that's good. I done. Good. <laughs> <laughs> <Very good. laughs> yeah. Of all the characters that you've created, is there any one of that you connect with the most, and if so, why? Um. Yeah, I would say the first heroine I ever wrote, Olivia, um, definitely has parts of me in her because, you know, I was very brand new to writing. I was just putting my heart on the page. And so she reflects a lot of um, who I am, I think, Um, have a little bit of trouble opening up and, you know, believing that true love is out there. She's got a lot of that going on. Um, which is why it's used to be really, it is really hard for me to read reviews on that book because sometimes it feels a little bit personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she's one, um, I definitely connect a lot with, um, Lake from something in the way, which if, if anybody who's listened to that will probably not be surprised at that answer because, um, it's one of my more popular series and it's um, very, that one came straight from the heart as well. And it's about, you know, a young girl in Southern California growing up and um, falling for an older man. And I feel like there's a a lot of me in that situation too, where, you know, I grew up in Southern California, um, not on the beach, but close to the beach and just kind of was always, focused on school, but also daydreaming about, you know, I always liked older guys, that kind of thing. So, um, and I think I think readers will not be surprised with that answer because I think you can feel that in the book, I should say, not that they know my, my history, but this, that they, you can feel that I'm very connected to Lake and to Manning, who is the hero in that story. Um, and to Tiffany as well, who is the quote unquote villain of the story. Um, but yeah, obviously I connect to, all my, all my characters in different ways. Um, but those are probably two that stick out just because they kind of mirror my own life a little bit more. And whereas the other stories are a little bit more, um, situations that 
you know, came straight from my uh, imagination. So we have these books in totally different formats, you know, paperback, ebook, hardcover, and then now we have audio. What made you release your titles in audio? Oh, I just love talking about audio. Obviously, that's why I'm here. <laughs> but um, I just, I just, it just was so unexpected for me because I, um, you know, got into this to write, and I knew obviously about paperbacks that's what I had read growing up. I was kind of knew a little bit about eBooks. And remember this was like eight years ago that I started. So eBooks weren't as big as they are now. And um, I didn't have any reader or anything like that. And I was one of those people that was like, I will only read paperbacks. You know, I need to feel the book in my hand, which I don't, I'm not that person anymore. Now I love having a Kindle. Um, but I didn't know anything about audiobooks, and I had no idea. Um, how this market was going to grow. Um, but I had an inkling, you know, once I started to get into the industry and I was listening and I was going to conventions, I could feel the momentum of audiobooks starting to build. And so I wanted to get in as early as I could. I think it was probably around 2014 or 15. I can't remember, maybe 15. Cause I, I published my first book in 2013, 2015. I think that I took the plunge, um, and thought, I think that this is going to be a medium that is going to grow. And I think that there are a lot of listeners out there who are probably feeling neglected. So let me, let me give this a try. And it was hard because the first series I put out, um, didn't do well at all. It was, you know, three books. So that's a, that's a pretty big commitment, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, financially and time-wise. And so, um, I knew going in that this might, might not pay off. I found the best, absolute best narrator that I could at the time. That was Andy. Um, actually I should back up a little bit. I had a novella that I was using as sort of like a test and that was, that taught me about how important it is to have the best of the best narrator working on your books. So from there I went and I found who's, you know, who's doing the best in this industry that I can work with right now. And that was Andy. And I reached out to her and fortunately she was receptive, um, took a chance on me. And we put out that first, well, I put out that first series um, with her narrating. And I think it was hard because a, it had cheating. And so that was always a bit of a hard sell for my first series, even in ebook format. Um, and then it was a solo female narrator, which, um, can be a bit of a hard sell as well. You know, you don't have that Sebastian York or whoever, um, drawing in his audience. And so it took about a year and a half to see really any movement on that series. And I never really did, to be honest. Um, it was, I think the next, book that I put out that did really well. And from there, the next one did better. And then it was kind of like, okay, I need to put all of my books into audio as soon as possible. And all my new books, um, because listeners are just as voracious as readers. And I am just so happy that I had a little bit of foresight to dip my toe in early and get the process going so that I wasn't left behind. (laughs) No. Yeah. It's, um, a lot of authors are like, I don't think like 
do it. <laughs> and like, I wish I had more to put in audio. Like if I could put my grocery list in audio with the right narrator, I would do oh it. My so like I love, <laughs> I love producing audiobooks. It just, and I love finding narrators with the casting process, all of it. Um, I just find it fascinating. I love listeners. They're so loyal and emphatic and excited and, um, yeah, I'm, I've just really, really enjoyed the process of turning my books into audio and listening to them too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes <laughs> I, I mean that about my own books, you know, sometimes it's hard to listen to them and sometimes it's fun. It kind of, again, depends on your mindset. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was one of my questions is your, your process. What is your process for casting your audiobooks? Um, nowadays it starts very early. It starts while I'm writing the book. So, um, while I'm working on something, I'm thinking, who do I envision in this role? Um, I'll start listening to samples, um, you know, to get a feel, uh, there's lots of things to kind of consider about the character. And so I, yeah, the process is really who do I hear in my head um, for this character? And, you know, is this narrator available or I'll get, you know, get some options on the table and kind of listen for like months at a time and not, you know, all the time, but just like come back to it and see how do I feel about it now? Um, I have um, written extra scenes so that I could have a a narrator on a book. Um, I have, you know, I just really find it to be a very, um, it's equally as important as the paperback and the ebook, you know? So, um, I am considering things from a lot of angles then. So yeah, I'm big on listening to samples. I'm big on just watching and seeing, you know, what, who listeners are, are loving and, um, if, whether they fit with my story, um, because that's, you know, the most important thing of course, is that the narrator is a good fit for the character. But, um, I also know that people love narrators for a reason, um, and connect with them. And so I will try to, you know, um, pick up on that and see what's, what's out there and, you know, who's available. The the schedule is also very, very big thing. A lot of those narrators are very hard to pin down these days. So you've got to make those, um, you know, reservations or early, (laughs) early on, and I am not really a good planner. So that has been, a bit tough for me. You know, um, I know it's unfair to listeners that I don't have simultaneous releases basically ever. I've I've almost done it once. Um, and that's just because it's so hard for me to pin people down early, um, because of my own, I'm constantly like, you know, what if I change my mind or what if this character changes? And so I have a hard time, um, you know, making that commitment early on. And by the time that I do, then it's just too late to get it out on time. So yeah, it's not much of a process, but it's mine. So (laughs) it's a process. Nope. Yep. And and it's true. I know we sometimes get frustrated when we have to wait for the, for the audiobook, but I always say it's worth the wait when we get the final product product being as good as it is because yeah. Yeah. I could never just say, well, this will be good enough. Let me just get it out on time. Um, you know, I, it's so important to me that it's as perfect as possible. And, um, and, you know, you know, that there's a proofing process and everything too. So that sets things back a few weeks as well in a quality assurance process. And so, 
you know, it is what it is. And I've come to terms with it a little bit. Um, I definitely, when I pick a release date, I do try to account for the audiobook and try to get as close as possible. Um, but you know, I'd rather have the best product out there possible than the fastest. And also the right narrator for the role. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they aren't available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has to be, it has to be the right narrator for Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than having a miscasting when you, you know, when the character is just because you can't find the right one. Yeah, that's why I feel so happy that I learned that lesson with the novella early on. It didn't quite feel like the right casting. And then that was when I I realized, like, that is the number one most important thing here is to get the right person Mm -hmm. for the role. Um, Yeah, and I feel like I've been really lucky in that respect. Yeah, no, you've been working with Andy Arndt and Sebastian York, Zachary Weber. Yeah. Um, Kristen Fox is a, is a, is a, a well-loved one. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to your interview with him, actually. I just love listening to him, like his voice, but also he's so interesting. <laughs> he is. He is. He's so fun. I love talking to him. I'm like, when can I have him back? When would be a good time? Yeah. Frame? I'm looking at the calendar. And I'm going, it was been this. It's almost like a formula, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Where can I help? Not too long, but not too soon. Not too short. Yeah. Like, how can we make it more interesting for the fans to come back and listen? Besides, because it's Christian fucking Fox. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That alone is reason enough. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, same thing with like with Sebastian York's another one that's elusive, but um, but has always been good with me and and chatting. So so it's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. And Emma Wilder's another one, too. I love her. She is wonderful. Yeah. She is so talented and so professional, which I mentioned because I just feel like that is also very important um, when you're dealing with these um, schedules and large sums of money and, you know, uh, production schedules, um, professionalism can be hard to come by. And every narrator that I have worked with has been like the utmost professional. And that is definitely a part of my decision process as well you know, that's not by accident. So Emma, Emma is like at the top with Andy, like they, they do what they say they're going to do and they do a a great job. Mm -hmm. They do. And Emma's voice is so, there's a husky, sultry, you know, Mm -hmm. to it. And I'm going, oh yeah, that's right. Especially like when she's married, I'm going, yes, right. You are a girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's so great. She does the best male voice I think I've ever heard from a female narrator yeah when I listened to her um audition I think she did a an audition for me for um the White Monarch series Um, I was like whoa totally blown away by how well she encapsulates that masculine alpha male voice so yeah that's um is reason alone to like consider her for a project she's just really fantastic yeah her range is great Yes, such yeah. a and yeah. such a great actress. Yeah, it's one of those things like when she does a guy, I'm like, that's right, it is a girl doing that voice. Right. But, also, but also her girl voice, I'm going, I don't play for that team, but damn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can see why she's a hot commodity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But do you find yourself kind of when you're writing, listening, like hearing the voices of the narrators that you're possibly going to be casting for these books? Yes, I do for sure. Um not all the time, obviously that would be a little bit on the cuckoo side, but I, you know, <laughs> like I might write a line and I will be like, oh yeah, I could totally hear Sebastian York be like, 
fuck, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, just like you can, when you've worked with them long enough, you can kind of envision um, or picture that kind of stuff, especially Andy. Um, know Andy I can't listen to many of her other books just because I hear her as my own characters and that's a little bit weird but yeah I hear I can hear Andy in my head it's like Olivia what I mean Andy (laughs) yeah I know I've worked with her the most so she definitely has a strong presence in my in my head um yes so yeah I would say I do hear those those voices and I do put a lot of consideration into that while writing (laughs) yeah um, and just completely off the top of your head, no, no, you know, long thinking there. Is there a narrator that you have on your wish list to work with that you want to? Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, Jason Clark, I would really like to work with him and um, Vanessa Edwin. Oh, yeah. Well, Ava Erickson, I've always wanted to work with her and, and Shane East. So that might actually be a little hint right there. <laughs> <laughs> Those four, I have not worked with them yet, but they are on the very, very tip top of the list. Um, there, are, I'm sure that there are others as well, but because I've been thinking about those four so much, then that they come to mind first. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's why I say off the top of your head, it's always, you know, when what comes to mind, Jason is so good. Oh yeah, I am like, yeah, really champing at the bit to work with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> he's great. Well, he's awesome. Vanessa is too. Her her range is another one that I'm like, wow. That's I'm, I love that she got into romance. Yeah. Um. I don't know a whole lot about Vanessa, but um, when I listen to her, I'm just like, wow. I'm really blown away by her. And I think I want to say it was Lauren Blakely who turned me on to her. I know that she's worked with her on several different projects. Uh-huh. So. Um, you know, when Lauren speaks, you listen. And I think Lauren <laughs> was like, you need to, or was saying like, you know, check out this new narrator or whatever. And I had been sort of, that was a long time ago. I was just sort of like keeping an eye on her for the right. Yeah. 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 No, I ran in. Yeah. That's how I discovered mm-hmm. Vanessa was through Lauren and it's true. And she says something, we listen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Lauren yeah. has the inside scoop and she's got a great ear, obviously. So. Yeah. That, that's what it is too. It's having that great ear to discover mm-hmm. new narrators or narratives that may be new to the romance genre mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so that's, it's been great for us in this genre to have individuals like yourself that are putting your books out in audio and, and Lauren and others yeah. that are just constantly bringing, you know, more voices to our earbuds. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> more voices to the earbuds. That's the goal. <laughs> your most recent audio is the complete box set of the sky cityscape mm-hmm. affair series. And this is a trilogy that you, that I can understand why some readers might be like, dude, because yeah. they end up in a little bit of cliffhanger. So having it in a box set is great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the, that's narrated solely by Andy. Mm-hmm. Wanting to tell us, I know you, we've kind of been talking a little bit about the series, but what made you decide to do it in the box set? And it, I think that you also redid some editing to it. Yeah. So that was my first series. I mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so I basically wrote the series and put it out at the time. And so, you know, back when 
it had always kind of been on my project list to revisit it and make some changes because there were some parts that I felt like needed tuning up and the pandemic kind of presented a good opportunity for that because I was having a hard time kind of uh, putting out new content. You know, I, my creative side was not really thriving in, in quarantine. And so this was a good project for me to kind of work on something old and feel like I was still doing something. And so I revised a lot of book one to kind of correct the pacing. I felt like the pacing was a little bit slow in book one before. Um, I didn't really understand how a scene kind of needs to move book forward. So it came off that there was like some filler. And so I wanted to fix that. And I'm really glad that I did. I enjoyed doing it. I loved revisiting those characters. So that was a large part of it. I did revise some books of some parts of books two and three, but not very much. And so when I finished um, that, I did kind of a relaunch of that series. And I'm so happy that I did because it's in front of so many more readers now that, that may not have known about it or who decided not to try it back then when it was like one of the only cheating books out there and they were too scared, you know? Um, so that was a whole thing kind of revised bundle and relaunch. And so um, when I did that, I decided to work with Andy and re-record the entire series, kind of give it a fresh new face, um, you know, with the revisions, the new covers, I put new covers on it. And I wrote an epilogue that I had her a bonus, sorry, a bonus epilogue. So it's the second one, um, like current, current day, uh, that I had her do as well that I could use as kind of some bonus fun audio material. That was kind of the decision process there. Like I said, it's a little bit harder to sell that single narrator story. And so I thought, A, you know, bundling it might be good for that reason. Um, People might be more willing to take a chance on a book that just has one female narrator and that also has cheating and that has cliffhangers. This way they could kind of get it all. And I know that audiobooks are so dang expensive. It It's nice for me to be able to offer a few of my series, a couple of my series right now for that one credit. Um, I haven't done it with all of them, but I have two series that are bundled so that you can just grab them for one credit. Cause I just think you got to catch a break sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. That was kind of the thought process behind that. And I'm really happy that I did. And I love that it allows people to have more access to my books and that it's kind of like a, a cleaner, fresh um, product that I am like hundred percent confident in marketing. So, yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's your first anything mm-hmm. and you've been doing it for a while, your skill sets get better. You yeah. learn things and stuff like that. And you're going, I wish I would have done things differently, but the fact that you went back and you did it and you updated it a bit to, to be more where you're at now. Yeah. It's fantastic. I think sometimes people are like, Nope, not going to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I understand that too. It's definitely a time commitment. It's, you know, a lot of people say it's a waste of time. Some people like to see how far they've come. So to see that early series compared with where they are now, that's important to them. I just, I know that it's a very special series and that a lot of people would really connect with it and love it if they would give it a chance. And I didn't feel comfortable where it was at that point, pushing it very hard, you know, cause I didn't feel confident in it. And so it was really for me to be able to say, you guys have to read this series. You're going to love it. I promise. I wasn't able to say that before. Not that I didn't think that there were people that, because I know that there are really diehard fans of that series and that they would have 
others would have found it. But I, now I feel comfortable saying, I promise this is the best that it can be now. And so it's a hard, anybody, any, if there's any authors out there listening who are on the fence about it, I mean, for me, it was a positive experience and I'm glad that I did it, but I I also, that's also time that could have gone to a newer release. So it's a trade-off, you know, it's like, what's important to you, but I'm, I'm a big believer in, in backlist and having a really tight up-to-date productive backlist, as opposed to just putting out as much new content as possible. I really love to be able to offer my listeners and readers great material on my backlist that they can go back and read and feel like they're not seeing a progression of shitty to okay writing, but like actually, <laughs> you know, enjoy all these series and know that they have the Jessica Hawkins hallmarks to them. I really, I'm really a huge proponent of backlist and keeping up a backlist and making sure that it's always sort of current and digestible, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, I think a lot of times the from a business perspective we're looking at what's next what's next what's next and we don't stop to think about oh okay well I'm only putting out x amount of books even if you are cranking them out we devour them so it doesn't matter when it comes down to okay what's next it's good to have that backlist because you can say well in the meantime while I'm writing the new one you guys can catch up on xyz yeah (laughs) Yeah. like I said I'm not a very fast writer relative to my peers and so it is a godsend for me to have a, a backlist where I can send people, you know, they can, they can, it will keep them busy. I mean, I have 20 books at least behind me. like that. I think it's fun to be able to say, go back and try this. If you like this, then you'll like this. Yep. exactly. And, and I think that as an author, that gives me more peace of mind to be able to work at my own pace, creating new stuff because I don't feel as rushed as I used to. I used to feel really like I was behind and I wasn't putting out new stuff fast enough. I feel less of that now where I feel comfortable saying, you know, I've got a healthy backlist, pick any book. And I, and I think that you're going to be happy if you, if you like my writing style and if you have enjoyed other books, I mean. Yeah. And that's important too, because again, we, we discover a new author, a new narrator, and we're going, what else have they written? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I like yeah. to hopefully have narrators on all my titles that I think are best representative of the books. And that I can easily be like, if you don't, even if this isn't your type of story, but you love this narrator, give it a try because they do such a great job with the story. You might find that you actually enjoy, you know, an yes. title. <laughs> not, not, yeah, not with your books, but there's been situations. And I think it happens with everybody that we're going I can't do this book because I just, I'm going to throw it up against the wall yeah. <laughs> and I'll search and see if it's an audio. And I'm like, Ooh, yes. <laughs> oh, this narrator might get yeah. over to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they do it for whatever reason, whether it's because of a pace. And sometimes I've, I've noticed it could be that yeah. um, depending on the storyline, but yeah, it's, it's great to have the, the narrators there to be part of the story and just move it forward. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad that um, this uh, trilogy is together and stuff like that. Cause I know a lot of people were like, Ooh, this is a new book. I'm like, well, it's a, it's a, it's it's an old one, but she redid it. And also the fact that you added more stuff to it at the end as well. That's always a bonus. Yeah. So many people, that's exactly my point. So many people had never heard of this series and thought it was a new release. That right there is, was the problem. You know, nobody knew about the series. And so this kind of gave it 
a re-entrance into the romance, almost as if it was a new book. So mm-hmm. personally for me, that was aside from like putting out a new release, cause that's always going to be the best probably situation, but it was almost as good to me as putting out a no release. It was, and I'm saying this for authors out there who are on the fence. It was definitely one of the best decisions I could have made to you uh, for the use of my time during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It worked out great. I know the listeners are like, yeah, and they're all together. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you listening, just push a play for 30 hours. Go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's again, it's one of those things where I know that, that I trust the author. I trust the author. <laughs> But when they do a cliffhanger, I'm going, girl, the next one better be coming out good, you know, fast. I know. I'm a big fan of cliffhangers. (laughs) Almost all my books have them. So yeah, yeah, I got a hint from that. (laughs) I love cliffhangers and I have no shame about declaring the world. Well, there's also something about that moment where you go, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. (laughs) What will happen next? Yeah. I like them as a, a reader, listener, viewer myself. So, you know, I like to write what I like to read watch listen to so there you go that's good yeah Yeah. so when you're not working what do you do for fun oh my gosh (laughs) that is a hard question that I need to prepare for (laughs) 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 because so much of the last eight years have been about this career and I put you know 110% of myself into it for a really long time so just as of late I've been trying to you know, have more of a personal life and find more hobbies. So, you know, I love to, I live in New York city and I love to walk around and explore the city. That is probably that sometimes go, goes hand in hand with writing because a lot of times story ideas will come to me or scene ideas or characters will talk to me during those walks. So that kind of also goes hand in hand with travel. I love travel. I've been to a lot of different countries and I just really love seeing new places and learning about, you know, different cultures. And that probably also has a lot to do with my writing. Um, That whole, you know, exploring a new perspective type of thing. So yeah, I would say anything New York city related travel reading, obviously audiobooks. Sometimes I'm not like a huge, I'm not primarily an audiobook listener, but especially one of my other favorite things is like long road trips. Audiobooks are great for that. So I will do generally like nonfiction audio for that kind of thing. And yeah, and dogs, animals, <laughs> basically all the stuff, the basic stuff that people love, I think. <laughs> Photography, I like to take photos, you know, I don't know hanging out with friends, nothing too, nothing too crazy or exciting. Sometimes for a book, I'll have like, you know, a hobby that I have to research. So that's interesting. I'm thinking I'm looking into taking like uh, boxing classes because I think that that is going to be come up in the next thing in the next series. So, you know, trying new things in that respect is always fun. Sometimes I'll give the hero or heroine a hobby that, you know, I myself am interested in. So that's a great way to yeah. check it out versus yeah. the, oh, this, it sounds like fun, but nah. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. I love the, that you do that. That's always fun to try new things for hobbies. Yeah. I just, it just um, took uh, an outdoor dance class 
in here in the city, right by the public library. So that was an experience. <laughs> I don't know if you've spent much time in the city, but it gets really humid. And so yeah. I'm not used to it. I'm, I'm from the desert. Uh, that's where I grew up. So, you know, sweating it out hardcore, doing an outdoor dance classes to like booming music is new for me, but that was kind of a fun. I've done that a few times. That's like the newest physical activity that I've been trying. So nice. It's kind of because I, I really love dancing during the pandemic. Like I would put on music in my apartment and dance. <laughs> and I swear to God, I get some of my best ideas that way. Just like freestyle dancing. <laughs> and for some reason, like I, I have worked out a few like serious issues book wise during like a three minute dance. That's kind of why I signed up. But to be honest, I really love to just free dance, like where nobody's watching the coordinated dancing where I have to like follow somebody and there's other people around me and stuff. And there are tourists walking by. (laughs) It's good exercise, but it's not as fun for me as just letting loose in my apartment. So that is true. There's nothing better (laughs) than when you're blasting the radio and you're getting things done regardless of what that thing is, but you're getting it done. I feel bad for my neighbors, but I try to keep it, you know, to a limited amount of time and basically like an exercise, you know, session. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that that outdoor class would have been on my calendar for mm, October, November, December. Yeah. I think (laughs) once I think I'm going to hit pause for a while because it's really disgusting right now. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, it's crazy. But yeah. But once things cool down a little bit, that would be a lot more fun once it's Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, you, we kind of touched a little bit on this um, with your love of pets and, and German shepherds. Yeah. Um, but if you could have any animal as a pet, it doesn't matter. It has to be domestic or not. I mean, you can have a giraffe if you really wanted it. Um, what would it be and why? Um, my gosh. I mean, I probably would say German shepherd just because I just love the breed so much. I grew up with German shepherds. My family's always had them. I, I feel like I know them and they're really difficult breed they're kind of wild animals in themselves that is Uh, true but yeah I also really like tigers and then hippos as well I went on an African safari a few years ago and just you know learning a little bit about hippos and seeing them in action they're like supposedly very vicious and like super fast runners, which you wouldn't know. And so what I want one as a pet, I mean, maybe if it was domesticated and that was like legal, but, and it wasn't, and it was like, you know, mentally, you know, okay for the animal, <laughs> which <laughs> it wouldn't be, but in a fantasy world, maybe. Yeah. 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 I think it'd be kind of fun just to hang out with a, like, especially a baby hippo. Baby hippos are so pretty. Oh cute. yeah. Okay. I changed my, my answer to any baby wild animal. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter which one. They do that on purpose. It's like the puppies and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's how i ended up with most of mine yeah i, I look know. at you like oh i'm like going damn it i know i can't watch puppy videos because i'm already too close to the verge of getting or trying to find myself one so yeah oh goodness yeah and german shepherds i love the breed yeah. i've always wanted one but i've always said that i wanted to be able to get one where i had enough money to have a trainer oh yeah, that yeah. would train them yeah. To the point where they need to be trained. Exactly. That's like one of my, actually one of my fantasies right now. One, one, one thing that I really would love to do is just get a German shepherd 
and then go away to like a boot camp for a few weeks where the German Shepherd and I learn how to, we're trained basically yeah. by these like pro trainers, because obviously I know like a lot of it is the human part of it too. Oh, absolutely. And I yeah. just want to roll around on the floor with the puppy. That's all I <laughs> do. And I know that that's not, you know, technically allowed. And so I would like to go away with my dog for a few weeks and just have it like trained to perfection. But you know, that's, not anytime soon, but that's where my, that's where my fantasy is right now. <laughs> yeah. I'd throw you right on a sticky note and you stick it on, on, a, on a board of, uh, board for later. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it'll yeah. happen, but just not right now, but it'll happen one day. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And they're great dogs. I think oh, well, yeah. all dogs in general, I mean, mines are all mutts and stuff and rescues. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But I, if I could go back and if I could do a week of training with them in a boot camp, Yeah. They would still be running around on the floor rubbing bellies happening because that's not going to stop. Uh, <laughs> there's a time and a place for it, though. <laughs> I know. I need to find a trainer where it's okay if the dog sleeps on the bed with me. <laughs> but everything else I'll be really strict about. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is true. Yeah, for sure. It's the companionship that I am very grateful for. Um, but yeah. it's also a lot of work. Anytime someone says that, I'm like, babysit one for, for a right. week. And then, right. you know, and then have that be that same weekend when your friend calls you and wants to travel somewhere. Right. <laughs> That's why I haven't pulled the trigger yet, because I know what a huge responsibility it is. And I guess I'm just not ready to take it, but I do think about it all the time. And actually that comes up in my books a lot. I think almost all of my books feature some kind of dog. Maybe my, actually my last series didn't, but all the rest of them, there's a rescue situation or there's a German shepherd or there's like some kind of usually big dog situation. And that's my own, you know, that's my own fantasy. That's my way of living out my fantasy of having a dog. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can also hit the nail there when, with it being a big dog, usually with smaller dogs, you might be able to take them with you traveling. Yeah, true. And get them, and get them trained where yeah. they jump into the back, you know, the carrier and they're set and they're quiet. Yeah. yeah. My dog, <laughs> my, shepherd. I know my brother has a medium sized dog, so they travel well together, but I just, for some reason, want the biggest dog I can find. Like short of a great Dane, I want like the biggest German shepherd I can have. There's just something I love about a big, huge dog um you know being the great huggers on my side yeah they're cuddly and they're protectors and yeah i just love them remember that you said that and now that we do have this in recorded (laughs) when you do get that big dog and if you ever see you on social media saying my god this 95 pound (laughs) dog on my lap and be like hey jessica remember when you said (laughs) <laughs> on it, the bigger the better i know yeah exactly <laughs> and then the german chef is gonna be like thanks viv yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'll get that photo i'm going yeah i got you boo <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite word hmm, my favorite word um i really love the word heady H-E-A-D-Y, heady. I don't know. I think there's something very like sexy about it. That sort of heady feeling of meeting somebody, like meeting like a romantic interest for the first time, making eye contact, being kind of like dizzy about it. I like saying the word heady is not really, that's not really what I mean, but like the, what it signifies and also kind of saying it, I don't know. We say head so much that (laughs) heady is kind of like a weird take on it you know and you don't hear it very often so yeah. I like that and I like the word pursuit 
if I'm saying that right, I think it's her suit. That means like, you know, like very hairy, (laughs) (laughs) very like furry, like masculine, hairy kind of thing. (laughs) Nice. And it doesn't sound that way though, but you know, (laughs) it's a weird, that's another weird word. I probably, I have, I have a list of words that I love, to be honest, somewhere on my computer, I could pull it up probably, but I love language. I love words. I love other languages, even though I don't speak with them, but I love listening to them. Um, yeah. So what's your favorite curse word? Oh, um, you know, it's gotta be fuck. Like, (laughs) I know that's probably everybody's favorite, but it's, there's nothing better than a well-placed fuck, you know, like, I don't use, I try not to overuse them in my books. I try to actually keep it at sort of a minimum mm-hmm. because I love when they have maximum impact. True. That also goes for the C word. I don't know if I can say that one, but like, I, I know some authors won't use it and I don't use it probably more than once per book because I really want it when it hits, when I use it that one time, I want it to hit hard and deep and I want it to like really do something to you. (laughs) So those two words, I think when used sparingly and properly can really drive the point home. (laughs) Definitely. Yep. I tend to use fuck as a down adjective and a verb, but still in the right place and time and (laughs) to make it poignant because yeah. Well, if you, yeah, let's say if you're, you know, angry and you use let's say you use the word all the time and you're angry, who's going to know you're angry, you know? Exactly. Yeah. If you really use it at the right time, then, you know, you're, you're going to have like the kids lining up and doing whatever you say. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. Yeah. That is true. That is true. <laughs> you were mentioning about dancing and, you know, letting it all loose and stuff like that in your house to get creative. But what song do you have to sing along with regardless of where you're at when you hear it? Mm, like any... 90s music 90s like r&b 90s pop my brother as a side note my brother and i just did a road trip from northern to southern california and spent basically the entire like eight hours eight to nine hours singing along to 90s music on sirius Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't have that but he does so i any kind of britney spears i need to sing along to there is this random song by the far side she keeps passing me by I know almost all the words to that and if that comes on then I absolutely I have to sing the whole thing I have to wrap it for anybody who is near me <laughs> or for myself yeah <laughs> yeah no it's uh <laughs> there are all those songs that it doesn't matter my favorite though is when you're out at the grocery store and you're going that's my jam and you yeah you know, the mood and everything and then they go and welcome to the cl- you know the classic station i'm going wait right. what no yeah classical yeah <laughs> i know well you know 90s at this point they're they're probably considered classics i mean oh my god the yeah, 90s right 20 years ago but it's yeah i think we've hit vintage four years ago at this point yeah yeah old school I like old Old school school. yeah yeah (laughs) or okay so then my my like classic answer would be give me shelter by the rolling stones I'm obsessed with that song if I had a soundtrack to my life that would be the opening song give me shelter (laughs) yeah that's my answer (laughs) got it okay um we've uh we have a game that we play with our guests called two truths and a lie where you tell us three things about you and we have to figure out which one is the lie. And I like to say we, because 
I'm, the listeners are playing along with me. I'm going to say it that way. They're playing <laughs> okay. along with me. And so listeners, make sure that you leave in the comments to see if you got it right or not as far as figuring out the lie. So if you're ready. Hmm, okay. Um, okay. So number one, I have driven across the United States three times. That's number one. So number two, um, I majored in creative writing and number three, I once had a job where I made $2 an hour for a year. Wow. (laughs) All of which possible. Yeah. (laughs) You know, restaurants. (laughs) Yeah. You might be able to infer by our conversation what's true and what's a lie, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I want to say that the uh, the majoring creative writing is a lie. Okay. <laughs> Should I reveal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that is a lie. I think fig- <laughs> I kind of figured, like, based on what I had talked about, you know, not really having a creative outlet. That's kind of obvious. But I actually, um, yeah, I actually majored in business in marketing and was not really, did not really take to writing in college. Um, And I know that that's sort of sacrilegious to say as an author, but for anybody out there listening who needs to hear it, I was not always, you know, it was not always my dream to be a writer. I really loved business and I still love business and I also love writing. So yeah, I did not major in creative writing, unfortunately, but okay (laughs) well the thing is too that sometimes like my brother's like that he says like he's he's really talented in arts and a bunch of different things like a renaissance man but i'm like you should do this as a job he goes then it will no longer be fun and i won't do it yeah that is so true it was kind of the opposite for me i never had that dream so it wasn't like i was giving up my creative like outlet in order to turn it into a business it was it actually out quite well for me where I enjoy the like 50 50 aspect of part business part creative yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and sometimes it's just one of those where it just comes later and that's fine too yeah yeah Mm -hmm. wow okay two dollars an hour was that at a restaurant no it wasn't although when you said that I was like oh yeah that would have worked because um I used to I went to school in Arizona and I believe that the going rate, the hourly wage was like $2 and 14 cents or something like that at the time. I actually did do that for a month. Um, I forgot about that, but no, I worked, I lived in Costa Rica for about a year and a half and this was right out of college. And I worked in a t-shirt shop selling t-shirts and some like artwork right on the beach. And I made $2 an hour, but then again, my rent was $150 a month. So it's, you know, it's all relative. <laughs> yeah. That's why I had to ask them going, there's gotta be a story behind this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a thousand colones an hour, which mm-hmm. um, is the Costa Rican uh, currency. And so back then at that time, that was, that equaled out to about $2 an hour. I'm not sure what yeah. it is now, but yeah. Yeah. Kind of funny and- <laughs> and you know, with some of the best days of my life so mm-hmm. yeah yeah but the currency exchange is interesting in a lot of these countries where our dollar is worth nothing mm-hmm. or it's worth so much and so depending on how that rate is yeah. what you are making is more like you said plus what the cost of living is is also different so. yeah yeah it's all relative it's like yeah. you know people sometimes are shocked to hear oh i made two dollars an hour but 
also shocking is paying $150 a month to live. So mm-hmm. <laughs> to put a roof yes. over my head. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was saving up for a surfboard. I will say that it was really difficult to save <laughs> up to buy a surfboard at that hourly rate. Um, yes. It took me a while. I had to, you know, buy lesser ones or, or borrow. I borrowed surfboards for a long time until I could afford one. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Surfing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. But back in the day, uh, (laughs) I, when I was living in Costa Rica, I learned how to surf and I surfed every day, sometimes two times a day. Um, that was probably, uh, alongside, you know, building a career in, in my own business. That was probably the other hardest thing I've ever done in my life was learn how to get up on a surfboard and ride a wave. (laughs) But one of the most rewarding, just like my career. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. It's like logic is kind of going, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really scary and hard and there's a lot of opportunities to quit. Uh, Yeah. So I'm always grateful for that experience. I have a few good pictures and videos out of it that I will show anybody because it makes me look cool <laughs> and I could never do it now <laughs> <laughs> feel free to send them my way I'll post them in the post so okay all them. right I will definitely send you one just know that this was you know 15 years ago <laughs> when I was you know looking fit and stuff so but I'll oh, send please <laughs> I'll send it yeah <laughs> yeah cool no I think it's um like that's has always been my thing is that I was very adult thinking even as a child just because I was I was was raised and that whole thing about you know climbing a tree where you can fall and statistically speaking yeah that's where my brain lies yeah a lot of times and so that's where my decision making process when it comes down to new adventures or stuff that I'm trying to get myself out of that yeah because that is so like yeah no the statistic of falling off a board (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I have, I do have a lot more of that now, but I didn't back Mm -hmm. then. You would make a great um, heroine. Like (laughs) I'm already (laughs) writing, I'm already writing this story in my head where like you, you know, someone's afraid to take some physical risks and how that like journey leads them to Mm -hmm. being more open and finding love in their life. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, seriously. I, I'm like, I would, the idea of like climbing a mountain or the the mountain biking, it's always like, "Mm -hmm, sure. I'll go. Yeah. (laughs) A lot more adventurous back in the day. I actually did climb Fuji with a friend with basically no prep. We basically went to a hardware store and bought some gloves and a few other things and climbed it overnight so that we could be at the top when the sun rose Oh wow! over Tokyo. So yeah, it was, um, I was definitely, I haven't done anything like that since, but I was more adventurous back then. We need to find a happy medium between that for the heroine I'm, yeah, that I'm already writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, it's, it's finding that happy balance. And so that's where I'm getting out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And even this podcast is out of my comfort zone originally. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. This, any kind of interview is really nerve wracking. So I tried to come into it as calm as possible. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing great. You are a great interviewer and very good to talk to, which, you know, makes all the difference. Thank you. Yeah. I think that that's where I value your, you guys, the time that you guys have and that you give to me. 
is something that I take very, very serious and the trust in it. And so that makes me also want to do bigger and better for you guys. Oh, yeah. So that's why, yeah. Thank so that's you. Also you understand that a lot of us are, are, tend, are introverts or tend towards yeah. being introverts. So something like this can be very scary for us. So thank you for making it easy. <laughs> yeah. And also sometimes you guys, it's hard talking about yourselves. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> I think I have, have had no trouble on this podcast talking about myself, but yeah, it can be very hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's almost like we met at a bar and we, you know, we, we saw each other reading the same book and we're like, oh my God, what else do we have in common? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The book community is, is actually very easy to, you know, open up to and make friends and yeah. And have, and find those connections. Cause it probably, says something about the books that we choose or pick up probably is some insight to our personalities. And so when you find a match, it's really exciting. Um, so Jessica, before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on or what's coming up next for you? I am still figuring some things out and I tend to be really annoyingly private up until I like announce things, but I am working on a series. I'm not quite sure how many books it will be yet. And it takes place in the South. Remember I mentioned that sort of like Southern Gothic had mm-hmm. interested me. Um, that was sort of the seed of inspiration for what I'm working on now. And the narrators are, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances, because, you know, the book isn't finished yet, but it is all lined up for those four that I mentioned earlier. So we're talking some Jason Clark, Ava Erickson, Vanessa Edwin, and Shane East. I am super, super excited to be working with all of them for the first time. Again, barring, you know, unforeseen circumstances, but that is the plan. That's a little bit of insight too, because you have four characters there. And so that adds a little bit layer of like, hmm, hmm. what are these four people doing in a book where it's usually about two people. So I can kind of say that there's definitely going to be angst. There's definitely going to be some like typical Jessica Hawkins activity happening. So angst, love triangle, age gap. Those are kind of the things that are exciting me about this series. So yeah, that's, I I don't have like a title nailed down yet, so I can't really say what it'll be, but you can look for it, you know, hopefully around the fall or, or, you know, end of year ish, not the summer, not this summer, (laughs) (laughs) but in the next couple of months, don't worry. You'll still get asked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good. I'd rather be asked than not asked. So (laughs) that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it going to be dual narration duet maybe, or it will be dual. Yeah. I've never done duet. I, I like, I think I like dual better as a listener. And so I tend to stick with that. I'm not saying I'll never do a duet, but it's my preference right now. So yes, it will be dual and yeah, I'm very excited about it. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. And we'll be uh, on yeah. the lookouts um, for that title and get more as you get it closer to finishing yeah. and more updates on that. So thank you. Sure. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I can't. Ah. 
Jason Clarkway, the Southern accent. Am I? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't like <sighs> you too heavy on the accents, but because um, mm-hmm. I don't want it to be distracting. But yeah, we'll have some of that. And some of the characters might be from other areas. So, you know, we shall see. But I'm in that phase of writing right now where I'm just like so excited and in love with the story. That will change. I will go through a period where I hate it and it's awful. And I have a lot of editing to do, but I'm in that phase right now where I'm just like have heart eyes over the whole thing. And the idea of these four narrators is giving me heart eyes. And so Aww. I'll go through that. I'll go through the, the phase where I hate it. And then I'll go through the phase where, you know, I love it again. And it's time to put it out in the world. And then it's no longer my baby. It's, it belongs to you guys. So <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for asking. No, of course. No, we are always constantly wanting to know what's, you know, what you're doing next. And, and, you know, just because a lot of us, myself included, have a calendar where we put in our notes, like, okay, this one's coming out, um, especially for those who might be reviewers. Yeah. To kind of like add things to it or otherwise that work in the industry, you know, like proofers. Um, (laughs) I'm so bad at that. I'm always the author who's like one week before it comes out. I'm like, okay, add this to your calendars. I have a release coming next week. (laughs) Just I'm so like, uh, I'm such a commitment, but it's so hard for me to like, say this book will be ready by this time because if it's not ready then I can't put it out if it's not my version of perfect then I can't put it out and so then I'm disappointed yeah but we also have a list of authors that if that happens (laughs) we'll still move the mountains to make it work so I hope so so because I need those readers on my side yes 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 (laughs) we're like it's okay sleep overrated That's my my master plan is to put out sleep depriving books so that you just drop everything and read when it comes out because I just cannot make a commitment to save my life. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been so much fun to get to know you better. Yeah, it has been so great. Thank you for making this fun and easy and being great at your job. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, if you're not following Jessica on social media, you need to. Um, I will be including all the lists, including her newsletter. So I'm sure she'll be giving us info as things progress in her upcoming series and any other goody stuff that she might be want to share, you know, recipes where she's dancing next, what songs she listens to. <laughs> there will be no recipes, I can guarantee you. I can barely make a bowl of pasta. There will be no dance schedule because nobody's going to be watching as but yes we'll find some other stuff for you and actually i have i forgot to send this to you so i'll do that when we get off the phone but i have an audiobook specific mailing list that's probably where yeah because that's where i send casting announcements you know release info updates that kind of thing so also free content i have um, about three or four pieces of um complimentary content for audio right now on my website that you can only get through my mailing list and I plan to add to that as well over the years so yeah you probably need that link (laughs) yeah yeah I definitely do need that link (laughs) (laughs) important (laughs) very much so especially when it when it comes down to like newer listeners or just like we were waiting while we're waiting for you to finish the story we're like okay what have we not listened to yet okay yes exactly you can dive in and enjoy you know probably many of my stories are 30 plus hours so they should keep you busy at least for yeah one. definitely yeah, <laughs> they, do. They, they do which is fun which they make for great. great binge listens uh-huh. 
Yes. You know, when you're trying to organize a house or whatever, not yes. doing that. <laughs> well, you might need an excuse to hopefully the right audiobook will motivate you or give you an excuse away from the family to do so. <laughs> yeah, that is true. It's always like, I've got, I can't do that, babe. I got to listen to this book. Um, yeah. <laughs> the whole house. If you notice I have earphones on while I do so just ignore that. It's, yes. it's imperative for the process. <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again. Um, everything will be in the episodes post for over at Viviana Enchanters of Books. And until next time, happy listenings. Thank you, Viviana. Thank you. Thank you wholeheartedly to all of our audiobook love and podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner, Victoria Butler, Carol Liebner, Chrissy Font, Karen Hoffman, Leanne Schwartz, Lynn Black Patterson, Michelle Eddy, Michelle DeCosta, Farah Blair, Bethany Crane, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darsh, Carrie Wallace, Christy Reitz, Michelle Bestard, Sarah McQueen, Valerie Wall, and Nancy Billows. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin. Benefits include early access, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.